Pastor Mike McCoy, welcoming you to the Time of Truth. Searching the scriptures, and I wound up in the book of Nahum. Now, that's, that's not the book everybody turns to. Uh, you know, it's right after Micah in the book of Nahum. And uh, it's, uh, so I'm going to read you the first three verses out of the first chapter. And, I'm, and, then, and then I'm preaching about storms, and yesterday we had a little storm. Knocked the power out of my place for 12 hours. Best money I ever spent was on the generator. Generator. Now, just to be mean, every now and then I flip my floodlights on just to tell everybody to praise God. <laughs> Pat said, "Don't turn that on." I said, "Watch this." That's the way Christians ought to be. In this dark world, we're going to flip our floodlights on every now and then and say, "I don't care." The light is still shining, praise God. Isn't it good to have the light shining? And, uh, and we appreciate you here. Nail, chapter number one in the Old Testament. I mean, it's, uh, it's everybody's go-to book when they want something to read. <laughs> Not. <laughs> if you found that, shout amen. Hey, you found it quick. The burden of Nineveh. The book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkoshite. God is jealous, and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. And he reserveth wrath for his enemies. If I was an enemy of God today, I'd get on his team. This is the promise right here that it's coming. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. Father, I love you. Praise you for this day and this time and this chance to be in the house of God once again. For the sweet spirit we felt God in the congregation in the prayer we morning began before the service today. Then the songs of Zion were sung and we had you to thank for everything. I had that song on the heart, Lord, and I sang the song. Praise the name of God. That's the spirit of God working in the hearts and the minds of his people. Lord, I pray you fill my mouth and guard my tongue and preach me with accuracy inside the bounds of this holy reading. I, I pray the word of God go out and touch the hearts of the people that are here to listen today. Those that are watching via internet, God, that it will touch them wherever they're at. So help me for a little while. I'm going to try to preach this. That's my book, and I'm useless without you. I am incapable without you. All the hard things that God can face for our house still bless my God. So I praise you, thank you, and ask you in the King's name, Jesus. Amen. And amen. I want to preach today on this thought. When God has his way. <clears throat> when God has 
book, you're most familiar with. We find out very little about this man except he was a healthy child and his name was Nathan. And if we believe that he was born maybe in the northern regions of Israel but was raised up in the southern part of Judah and he is a contemporary of Isaiah and Micah. Now Nathan's talking about a land that Jonah had preached to a hundred years ago. Jonah come in and preached to this bunch and he didn't like them. Jonah didn't like them. But God told him to go preach to them anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> and maybe the only recorded time in history when an entire city was born again. I mean, from the king to the lowest pauper, when Jonah walked into that place of Nineveh, and it was a large city, when he walked in preaching, everybody there, the king included, said, let's put on sackcloth and ashes. We need to repent. We need to fast. We need to call the Lord. They believed the man of God. The man of God said, Joshua is coming. How do we prevent this from coming? We need to call And some, I won't argue, some say 150. I won't fight with that. A long time. And they turned back on God. So Nahum has come. Nahum prophesied to them. And what he's about to say can't be changed. Did you get that? And Nahum says, you're in trouble. We have here, I'm studying on this, and my phone goes off yesterday. It said, storm prediction. I said, that's, that's, that's the open point of my industry. Nail is predicting a storm that is coming, and nobody can change it. It's gone too far. The judgment has been given, passed. The gavel has been slammed. God said, hey, you turned your back. You were mine. I'm a jealous God. Now you're going to taste my life. So at this point, there's no turning around for those of Assyria. Nineveh is the capital city. <clears throat> but he, he enforces this on the entire land. Speaking to Nineveh specifically, you know, you know that God begins where the headquarters of the land is for the judgment to be released. You can chew on that for a little bit. Get the light on it. We see the prediction of judgment. Then we see the preparation. What was it? Ignore. The preparation. Hey, it was past time to do anything about it. He said it's coming. They wasn't prepared. They, some could. Listen. In verse number seven, the Bible says, the Lord is good a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows Justify. Listen, our preparation. 
and, and take him at his word, we don't have to worry about the wrath to come. So if you're one of these trying to convince me I'm going through the tribulation period, I'm all the way off that boat. Because Paul's very plain that says, I, he said this, we are saved from the wrath to come. As introduction, we see the prediction on the nation of Syria. We see the preparation. It wasn't sought. Now he would and is the justified, according to verse 7, of those that trust him. But they had gone so far away from where they were. Does that sound familiar? So far away from where they were. Families didn't mean anything. Didn't mean anything. No value of human life. Didn't mean anything. Assyria was the ones that, watch it, in Assyria are the people that invented crucifixion. They're the inventors of it. They're cruel. They would impale people on poles and decorate the high place. The Romans perfected the Assyrians invented. We have them here. We see the prediction is coming. The preparation ignored. He would have been justified, but too late. But then we see the prophecy, and the prophecy here is in two ways. First, it's nationally to Assyria. Are you with me? Yes. Nineveh being the capital of Assyria. So we have it, we have it here. Stay with me. We have the, the Assyrians who were wicked people. Now you got to remember, at this time, Assyria has taken the northern ten tribes into captivity of Israel. And then God was so hard on them, they sent part of them back and sent them some priests, but the priests wasn't what they're supposed to be, and it just, it just always stopped. But the prophecy from Nabal is nationally to Assyria. But all this book, it's two sons, but it's four all. It can not only be taken nationally for Assyria, but it can be taken personally for us. There, there is a personal implication in this or, 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 or word for us even today out of the book of Nabal. The, the Lord is slow to anger. Aren't you glad about that? Amen. Why does that matter, preacher? Because there's none righteous, no, not one. So God, and he's angry with the wicked every day. And, and, and if my righteousness doesn't exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, Jesus said, I couldn't get into heaven. It sounds like I can't go. Oh, oh, let me mention the one that can get me there. That means Jesus, praise God. I'm accepted in the beloved today. That's how me. He is my justifier. He is, listen, he is my sacrifice. He is my righteousness. And his righteousness exceeds the righteousness of any man, woman, warrior, girl. He's holy and divine. We see the 
prophecy nationally, but then we see the prophecy personally to all people. Now, I want to do something today. The Bible, he said here that the Lord had his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. I'm looking up, I'm looking up what is the main, what is the number one cause of damage in storms throughout the world? Wind. Now, along the coast they would say storm surge. But what causes the surge? The wind. So the wind and all these things I researched, the wind is the number one cause of damage in storms. Yesterday, uh, what blew the substation up was, I just found out from Brother Grover, was a tree blew across the TVA line, which shorted it out, which made it to Pansy substation, which blew the transformer up, and we sat out there, uh, or a lot of them did, without power for 12 hours. Get your generator. <laughs> And tell them I said to get one and I'll get three maintenance. <laughs> from Genesis. So the wind comes and the trees do the damage. And God has his way in the storm. When God has his way. I want to illustrate this. In the Bible, we'll find this. People refer to as trees in the scripture. Trees are the things that suffer a lot of damage in the storms, or they cause the damage themselves. In Isaiah 55 and 12, the Bible said the trees clap their hands. You know trees don't have hands, they have limbs and leaves. But it said that they clap their hands. In Ezekiel 31, Pharaoh is referred to as a tree. In Mark 8, 24, men are seen as trees walking. In Jude 1, 12, trees are twice dead and plucked up by the roots. That's the wrong tree right there. You don't want to be that tree. In Revelation 11, before you find two witnesses, and he said these are the two olive trees. So we find, well, all through the scripture, that men are referred to often or compared to trees. So in the storm we had yesterday, we just had one a week before, and we had another. And the Bible tells us plainly that the land is a land of hills and valleys. There's going to be storms. Jesus said we're going to have tribulation. Be good cheer, I've overcome the world. We're going to have troubles and trials, persecutions. It's just how we live in this world. It's also. Number one today, I want us to consider the storm's damage. And as, it, as I said, it is primarily caused by wind. Now listen, Ephesians 2 and 2 said there's a prince and a power of the air, referring to Satan. Now, God allows the storm. Satan sends it. But God has his way in that storm. There's no damage going to be done that God isn't going to permit. 
and say, I don't like what God permits. When you become God, you can say something about it. Job said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We got a phone call this morning of someone we love dearly that's in a pretty bad condition. And I said, you know, this is killing me. I can't hardly stand it. There's a storm there. There's damage being done. We can't comprehend why at this time, why would this happen now? We don't know. We just know the storms come. And God has his way in the storm. His ways aren't our ways. And he knows what I don't know. He sees the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. He sees all in between. And Romans 8, 28 is true. Whether you believe it or not, he still works all things together for good. To them that love God. There it is. There's the condition. To them that love God. He'll work it for your good if you love him. And we see the damage. And we see that it's mainly caused by wind and the prince and the power of the air is the devil. And God gives him so much chain or ability. But God regulates him as to what he can do. Number one was the damage mostly caused by wind, Tommy. I want you to know the damage is controlled by the king. Psalm 104 and 16 said, The trees of the Lord are full of sap. You know the trees that are the least damaged in the times of the storm is those that are full of sap. Those that are full of sap. When I look out through my woods, there's woods that surround my house and I can see houses back behind me through the woods. And, I, and as I look out through there, I see all these trees and these trees look just fine to me. And I think that's a good tree. But I can't see what's on the inside of the tree. And big red oaks are notorious for this. They look real good on the outside and the inside will be eaten up with insects and disease. And when the storm comes, they're damaged number one. When God has his way, it's controlled, damage controlled. Number two, here's what happens. Here's what happens. When God has his way in the storm, there's still damage, but it's controlled. When God has his way in their storm, here's what they'll be. They'll be debris. They'll be debris. I cleaned up every stick. I raked nearly my entire yard a week ago. I picked up every leaf, every stick, everything I could find, Jay. I raked her up and throwed it out in the woods. Mowed that thing, manicured it down, and I mow it all in one direction. You come out there and, mow, and mess it up, I'd, I'd be upset. It's mowed in one direction. It's looking good. 
And the forecast says 30%. 30%. I'd hate to see 100. 30%. I'm meditating on the Word of God yesterday and I hear, that sound like thunder. I hope the wind don't blow. Brent, why wouldn't I want the wind to blow? Hey, because I've cleaned the yard up. Oh, here it comes. And I'm watching the stuff fall. And debris everywhere. Now, I'm thinking I ought to be like some of these guys that just never touch it. I mean, the stick that fell 20 years ago still laying there. They just run over it with the lawnmower and chop it up best they can. They ain't about to pick it up. Two types of debris comes out of the trees in the storm. Number one, the thing that's weak gets blown out. The thing that's weak gets blown out of the tree. I'm watching some of those old limbs out there, and the harder it blowed, the better it seemed to like it. It was kind of like it was waving at me. Then these others over here, they're not doing nothing, just a little, and it falls all to pieces, and there's stuff laying everywhere. Here's what the Bible said. The flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. Even though the tree's full of sap, is it full enough? The tree's full of sap, but the flesh is weak. It's got that thing hanging out there that it really don't need. And the storm, when God has a way, the storm comes through, and that thing's moved. But it's not only the weak that comes out of the trees, and I should have marked this in my Bible, I didn't. You give me just a minute to find it. It's not only the weak that, that falls out of the tree when the storm comes, but it's the dead. And I, I could quote most of this. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify to the purifying of the flesh. And by the way, that's what we need done. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works. Purge our conscience from dead works. Some things that need to be killed. You know what? When God has his way, the storm comes through and it blows some of that stuff that we don't need hanging on out of the tree. I'm cleaning all this stuff up last week. I'll get to do it again week after next because next week I'll be in Mississippi. And, we're, and we're, I'm cleaning this stuff up and I'm raking. Wore a blister on my thumb, raking. Tender. Don't work like I used to. Use it or lose it. I'm raking that stuff up. 
picking up, throwing out woods. And the Holy Ghost said, why are you picking this up? Menial labor helps me clear my mind when I do things like, first message I preached was on my lawnmower. And just shout, that's how, how God, so I'm always like John Deere after that. I was preaching the first message to a John Deere lawnmower. And I'm doing this, and the, the, that question pierces me, Clay. And here's what I said out loud. I said this out loud. If I don't get this up, it'll kill something. I use that in the lawn for the Lord. So these little bushes out there that are just little bushes. And these limbs have fallen out and the weak thing had fallen from the sky and fallen down on the little hollies and the hostas and those kinds of things. And it's mashing them to death. And if I don't get that dead stuff up off of that thing that's alive, it's going to be dead too. When God has his way, the things that's unnecessary will fall out, but sometimes they fall on something you don't mean for them to fall on, and now the damage is going to be on them unless... We get it off of it. Now you can apply that to a thousand different things and it's all applicable. And I got it off. Tommy, I'm looking at the grass and the, and the bushes and the flowers and thinking I got to get it off of them. Why? And I look out at the driveway and they stuff all in the drive. And I wasn't in no hurry to get it off it. Because something that's dead can't kill something that don't have life. I didn't have to worry about that. It's not alive. The things I need to concentrate on was the living thing. Some things were big, some were small. What does that one stick in, that gra in the grass, what can one stick in the grass make a difference? You know what it makes a difference? There won't be one blade of grass grow up where that stick's laying. And you leave that thing laying on that little bush or flower long enough, you know what will happen? It'll begin to wilt. The limbs will begin to wilt. It'll make it bow down. It can't raise up toward the sun where it needs to be. It's the debris. When God has his way, weak things are blown off, dead things are blown out. It's opportunity, it's opportunity for us to move those things if we see it's falling on something else. When God has his way, there'll be damage, it's under control. When God has his way in the debris, it'll be cleaned up. But here's what happened in Nahum. And you might say, well, this don't have anything to do with this. Oh, yes, it does. There was somebody happy about this storm that was coming. On the Assyrians. You know who that was? Judah. Judah was happy. Because this guy's already showed up trying to take Judah, trying to take Jerusalem. Hezekiah's all worried about these birds. They're glad. Hey, they've got something. This storm... Well, glory. 
when, they, when this message goes out, these guys can say, I'm never going to have to worry about that again. God's about to take that out of the way, and I won't have to worry about it anymore. Them guys have bothered us. Find Assyria. Yeah, since about 612 B.C., them boys are gone. When God said, and by the way, and I like it, how it said it was going to happen. And, 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 and here, historians say, listen, in verse 6 of chapter 2, the gates of the rivers shall be opened and the palace shall be dissolved. You know how they got into the city? The river flooded. It washed the wall away. He's telling them this a long time before it happens. Wash the wall away and the invading army just walked through where the wall used to be. God's prophet nailed her down. What's the chance of a guy telling them that all those years before it happened? It'd be impossible without God. We see the damage is controlled. The debris cleaned up. But I like this. The storm's departure. And it brings comfort. What could that mean? Well, for us, the name Nahum means comforter. Now, how could a guy bring a message like this of gloom and doom and it comfort anybody? It's like when we preach on sin or about sin. We preach about sin and we can rejoice in that because we know the one that took that thing away. The Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, the sin debt tonight's zero or this morning is zero. The only problem is people won't claim the payment. Hey, it's been paid for, praise God. And there it is, the departure of the storm. There's a storm coming your way. And it's going to look catastrophic. And I've got three people right now that's dealing with the storm of death. And it looks like it can't be avoided. And at this time, it may not be avoided. I don't know. For these three, it may not be avoided. But it is a catastrophic storm. It's one Irving can't get out of, or Clay, as young as he is, or you, or your children. The Bible's very plain that it's appointed unto man once to die. People don't believe the word of God. That I got a call on Friday, want me to do a funeral on Saturday, and I said, I am unable to do it. There's a storm coming. But I'm going to tell you, a storm has a departure. I'll go through that storm one time. Because I'm not going to be twice dead and plucked up by the roots. This tree, praise God, the, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. And I have the tree of life. It's in the garden of God right now. I've feasted. I've tasted that thing. I'm glad for the tree of life. I've eaten from the tree of life through and by the Spirit of God. And it's sweet, by the way. It means comforter. 
the certain storm of death that's coming. I want you to listen to this. Ecclesiastes 11.3 In the place where the tree falleth, that shall it be. Where that tree falls. Now there was an opportunity for these Assyrians. Judgment had been pronounced. They were past preparation. They'd missed the place. You never read J. Harold Smith's old book, old book, or heard the old message, God's Three Deadlines. You ought to get it, look it up, read it, find it, and read that thing. It'll help you. This is a prime example of them surpassing or going past the day of grace right here. The Assyrians were done. God said, I get through with you. You ain't never going to be heard of again. The only thing it's find, only thing they find to them is some coins and Brother Branch missing it this morning in Sunday school. Some rocks they dig enough archaeologists. They're done. God utterly destroyed. That's coming my way one day. It's going to knock on my door. I'm going to say, do the best you can, bud. Because I know one that's already been through this. And he said that all I have to do is walk through this valley of the shadow of death. And I don't have to fear no evil. I'm walking through this thing in my departure. And when God has his way, I will depart here. I'll face that storm. It will not be catastrophic. It, listen, you know what door, death is? Death is the door for me to pass through to get to where I want to be. I mean, that door's going to open. And I'm going to step through. And behind me is going to be everything that ever hurt, ever caused a problem, ever caused any pain, any issues, any trouble, toil, or snare. All that's going to be behind me, and all that's going to be before me is sweet heaven in view. No more tears, sorrow, suffering, pain. Listen, I'm not trying to twist you up on your theology. I'll be with the Lord. Should I go by the way of death? Should I go by the way of the rapture of the church? I forever shall they be with the Lord. I'll be with the Lord. Praise God, after seven years, I'll come back. We'll have a thousand-year celebration, reign and rule with Christ, and then a new heaven and a new earth. That's good. You know what that is? That's when God has his way. You know the only problem is people don't want God to have his way. We want to have it our way. We want to have it our way. It's like Burger King. Have it your way. I don't want pickle. Don't put a pickle on there. I don't know what your experience is, but if I ask not for pickle, I usually get extra. I don't want onions. They put every one they got. Grover and I stopped to get a sandwich one time at a place. We got in a truck. I said, they're out of mustard. He said, how do you know? I said, they put all they had on this sandwich. No more. It's all on here. I found out, Brother Brantz, that when I want it my way, I still don't get it my way. But I found out, praise God, when I wanted his way, as hard as it is sometimes, his ways are better than my ways. And I don't understand all his ways. 
but he's better than I am. He's greater than I am. He knows what I need. He knows what you need. If you need saved today, he'll save you. You need strength, he'll strengthen you. Listen, you need to be encouraged. Come and talk to the master. When God has his way, things are just right. If you doubt that today, you need to talk to him. And I'm sick of these questions. Why do babies get sick and die? <coughs> Why does this happen if God's so good? Why does all that happen? It wasn't God that messed it up. We learned about it in Sunday school this morning. It was people. Problem's not God. Problem's man. He's just and he's the justifier. He knows how, he knows what, he knows when. When we get to glory, somebody said, when I get to glory, I'm going to ask him all about these things. No, you won't. Because when you get there, it won't matter then. We measure everything on this temporary. Listen, it seemed like yesterday. Pat and I stood in the basement of this thing when this thing was just a basement 44 years ago and got married down there in that basement and we pulled out and I said, we ain't never coming back. She said, I don't care. We had each other. It's all, it's all, it's all, that was it. We was done. What a sense of humor God's got. Not only did he bring me back to Crossville, he put me in a place I've been here 30 years. Didn't go too far, did you, bud? Huh? His ways, he knew better than I did. I'm going through the baptismal certificates yesterday. Thank God for Jimmy and these girls that's kept up with that. I opened those empty certificate books up yesterday, and there's the names of the people I've baptized, or part of them, and these I heard. I didn't realize I'd baptized so many people. I began to read the names. And the Holy Ghost said, that's why you're there. That's what you're doing. Hey, you're not doing it for you. You're doing it for me. God has his way. It's the right way. You want it your way, you can have it. It'll be a mess. So I'm going to help God out. I don't like the way God's doing it. You better talk to him. He knows what he's doing. He didn't ask your permission to put you here. He won't ask your permission to take you out. And we sing in that song this morning. And I'm ready if he wants me to die. Are you ready? Do you know him today? Play me something soft now. Pastor Mike McCoy, thanking you for joining us at the time of truth.